Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There's no question you need omega-3s. But which form should you take? Fish oil or krill oil? Scientists have debated this for years. Luckily, there's a new solution to satisfy everyone. It's called Krill Omega 50 Plus. It combines ultra-pure fish oil and joint-soothing krill oil together in just one tiny pill. It's so powerful, it can promote the health of your heart and your arteries. And if that wasn't enough, it can also boost your joint comfort in just days. We're so sure Krill Omega 50 Plus will work for you. We'll even send you a free bottle to put to the test. The debate is over. It's not fish oil or krill oil. It's both. And now it's free. Just pay $4.95 for shipping and claim your free bottle. Call now. 1-800-355-1493. 1-800-355-1493. That's 1-800-355-1493. Thank you for your interest in your health. This is the AAA spot to find out what's going on in the world of medicine, thanks to our connection with Dr. Ken Kronhaus, who comes to us courtesy of Lake Cardiology, his clinic in Florida. I'll tell you how to be in touch with him later on during the program. Right now, we're in touch with a lot of the medical news this week, things that have been researched, scientific journals from various associations looking into things informationally that will help you Understand perhaps uh, an issue that you may have or somebody you know has. You know, I wanted to start with this because I think it is so timely, Ken, uh, the focus on one of the uh, people or a couple of people that have been proposed to have government jobs accused of being heavy drinkers and what the ramifications are for all of you who like to imbibe. This is the disconnect, though, because with science, it's nuance. Sometimes you hear, you and I have talked about this many, many times over the years, how science disproves itself. You'll hear something about men should have two glasses of alcohol a day, women one, and then... Not that they should, but they can. They can. All right, well, uh, I guess it depends on how you... uh, The one that I'm thinking about, the story I'm thinking about, suggested that it was good for women and men to drink because it's good for their brain or whatever. And then you wonder, okay, what's the break even what's the line the marginal line or the line in the sand what's the difference between light drinking and heavy drinking other than what it does to you isn't it different for everybody because people absorb alcohol differently depending on their body constitution don't they uh yes there are definitely individual differences but there are also sex differences uh, you mean women can't absorb more and or less than men? Women are more sensitive. Saying? Their bodies ha- can handle less per day successfully than a guy. All right. Even if size is not a factor, a big woman wouldn't necessarily be able to absorb uh, more because she's big. Big men sometimes can absorb more. Well, women, women are a little more sensitive. They get breast cancer from alcohol. Oh. Did I know? I don't know if I knew that before. Explain a little bit more about that, would you? Well, it's it's a risk factor, and that's an important reason why women each day, zero to one serving per day is 
moderate drinking as much as they should have. And for men, it's one to two uh, servings per day. Really? All right. So there's a study out this week about drinking and its effects on women and PMS. Yeah. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. Uh, up to 40% of women in America have at least moderate PMS uh, symptoms of PMS, Doug. They include mood swings, breast tenderness, fatigue, irritability, and depression. Mm -hmm. Why does PMS occur? Well, during the luteal phase of the menstrual cycle, which begins after ovulation and lasts about 14 days, ending with menstruation if an egg has not been fertilized, and the news this week is that women who are heavy drinkers are at increased risk of premenstrual syndrome. And uh, alcohol seems to increase PMS risk by altering the level of hormones such as gonadotropin during the menstrual cycle. All right. So your advice then is for uh, how do you know if this is going to affect you? Because some women, it may affect some women, well, it might not affect, right? Some women are really tormented by their PMS symptoms. And I would look at your lifestyle and I would try on an individual basis, uh, see what the alcohol does to it and, and see where how to thread that needle. Mm -hmm. All right. Also, those who are heavy drinkers are at risk for what else? This is, this is neat. This is the human microbiome. You're going to be interested in this, Doug. Consists of the trillions of bacteria and other microbes that naturally dwell in the body. There are links between the makeup of the gut's microbiome and risks of various diseases. We know that the more diversity in the gut microbiome, the better. And the news this week from the medical journal Microbiome is that people who drink more than the recommended daily limit of alcohol have an unhealthy mix of bacteria in their mouths. Those who drink relatively heavily have fewer good bacteria in their mouths and more bad bacteria including bugs that have been linked to gum disease, heart disease, and cancer. So drinking kills the good bugs in your mouth and it goes down into your system. Exactly. Does that stand a reason? Alcohol is something that would wipe out. That's what we use for a cleanser. Alcohol well, is a cleaner, isn't it? It, it? But it seems to, this seems to be one of the mechanisms why alcohol is so toxic in high doses to the body, because it seems to selectively take out the good bacteria and leave the bad bacteria. Wow. So that's something to keep in mind, isn't it? That's very interesting stuff when you put two and two together there. <laughs> the equation's not too good. So a word to the wise is sufficient. Do you think sometimes telling people like this, really startles them enough to change their habit? Or is something as powerful as alcohol addiction? You know, the people listen to that and they say, ah, come on. Uh, or they don't have enough willpower to, even if they know it's wrong, if they listen to you and they hear what the negative impact is, they still may not have the, it's, it's, it's a, it's a mind body thing, isn't it? Your it's, mind. It, yes. What you're trying to say, I think is where you are in that spectrum of how badly you want to stop. Yeah, right. Exactly. Thank you. You did it in three words. I, I'm happy to do it in 30. You can do it in three. <laughs> but I, I think it, it sort of delves into that whole self well-being stuff. Uh, the flow of energy between our physical state and our mental state. Uh, and there's a lot of this, there's a balance there. I think mind body uh, research suggests that it's very important, especially if you have a lot of stress in your life, anxiety, sadness, whatever it is, fear. 
it overwhelms what's going on in your brain, and that's channeled into your body. And people drink when they're in those circumstances. They drink, right? And and do other bad things. Take drugs. It's bad for their bodies. Go get a therapist. And don't use the bottle. Don't use drugs. Go talk to somebody. Dr. Ken Kronhaus on the Good Day Health Show. I'm Doug Steffen. We're reviewing some of the important stories, the important medical information published this week in the guides that come from uh, the Journal of whatever association science is at work here. So I posted on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash DJV show yesterday, Ken, a picture or actually it's a video of a young lady whose young brother has Down syndrome. And she's singing to him, and you can see him. It's really a sweet, sweet thing. If you get a chance, check it out. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash DJV show. And it brings me around. I don't know that Down syndrome is always caused by uh, some of the the fetal systems, but uh, there's some, uh, sometimes Down people, uh, Down children are born prematurely. So what's this uh, story this week about the fetal immune system and where... I think this would be relatively complicated, so I'll give you a couple of minutes to explain. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Preterm birth, Doug, it's the leading cause of infant mortality. Yep. And most potential explanations of premature birth revolve around the mother and what might cause her body to reject her developing fetus. But the news this week, published in Science Translational Medicine, is that some preterm births occur because the fetus rejects the mother after its immune system is triggered too early and senses maternal cells as foreign invaders. Wow, that seems really weird. How how does that even make sense? The The baby is your cellular structure. So how could the baby be rejecting where it comes from? Because um, because often the two have things that well, it's easy to understand how how the the mother can reject the child because the the mother may have already been sensitized to certain things that are a little bit different that the child has it the child got from the father, so that's how the mother rejects it. All right, I get that. Okay, but but the the immune system of the fetus may have also some parts that, you know, seem foreign to the fetus and starts rejecting the mother. Wow. That's really... So what happens in that case? Do you have to have a... It's premature yep. birth. Do you have to take them out, C-section, take well, them out? Well, the, the hope here is that this in the future will invent a blood test where you can see that this is occurring and where you also, there might be medications where you can stop this from occurring. And that's the exciting part because one of the mechanisms of premature births is now better understood. Really? All right. Should you ever have an itch, a desire to talk to Dr. Ken to take advantage of his fascinating, wonderful bedside manner, you hear him here, gentle and kind and knowledgeable would be Three adjectives that I'd use to describe him from my experiences being at the clinic. Three, five, two, seven, three, five, fourteen hundred. I love my annual pilgrimage down to Orlando. <laughs> we love having you. A day from just the time goes so quickly. It's been almost uh, what four months since I was there. It's it amazing. Like Absolutely it really amazing. Is. All right. So Ken's number again for an appointment. Go see him if you're getting conflicting stories, information that you don't understand from your doctor. Ken will explain it for you. Three five two seven three five one four zero zero. 
All right. So we were talking about one aspect of uh, pregnancy. Now, here's another. Uh, this is probably more common, something to be concerned about. Not only drinking coffee and tea, I suppose, but anything those crazy drinks that have caffeine, what happens? Well, we're all wondering about the obesity epidemic. Look around at the kids, and here is an interesting observation discovery. Pregnant women who drink lots of coffee and other caffeinated beverages, Doug, are more likely to have kids who are overweight than mothers who limit caffeine during pregnancy. This was published in the British Medical Journal this week. So my advice for pregnant women is to avoid all sources of caffeine, coffee, cola, tea, even chocolate during pregnancy. Caffeine in utero may change how the brain develops, and this is important because the brain has strong influence over our appetite. It's amazing how focused we are on the information that has been researched and is prevalent today. Just flash back. I remember reading something Barbara Bush said uh, when she was pregnant with George. She was smoking and drinking a storm, and maybe that's why he was the way he was. Uh, but that's what did my mother, uh, who, let's see, 1921, she would be um, what 90. Six, if she were alive today, so she'd be a little older than Barbara Bush. But she did the same thing with all with me and my two sisters. She smoked and drank, and nobody paid any attention. Nobody, matter of fact, at that point in the fifties, forties, and fifties, they were promoting smoking. It's good for you. Calm you down. Imagine yeah. how even more amazing you'd be if your mother didn't do all those things. Right. <laughs> Thank you. But I think we've talked about this. Part of my congestion, especially now. During the uh, beginning of the pollen season, my God, the coughing and the splunk, the, the stuff that comes up uh, is really, dis it's distracting. But the air is so now, there's been so much rain and the pollen is everywhere. You see the yellow stuff on yeah. the lawns and on the cars. You know you're breathing that stuff in. It's going to cause congestion. You probably so. have some secondhand smoke emphysema from well, good old mom. That's what I was told. Yeah, I was told that that was something that was in there. It was a possibility. And it's, you know, you're going to be exposed to this sort of thing. I mean, driving uh, in the car, the windows were shut and the smoke was going in cold Massachusetts, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this is something that we all uh, face because that's what was in. We all had that in common. And, yeah, I guess I would have uh, something. I don't I don't know. It hasn't really been diagnosed that way. But uh, certainly uh, we've uh, certainly with you. And then I went to the pulmonologist and bunch of other people. It's interesting. When I get acupuncture and the acupuncturist pays attention to my lungs and treats my lungs, all the signs go away. I and think you've lasts, rallied pretty well. Yeah. for No, I'm fine now, but I still, I'm feeling now with the allergies starting again, I have a little bit of that yellow uh, glucobunga when I wake up in the morning, but I had it all day, every day until we figured out what was going on. And every once in a while I use the inhaler. Uh, it sort of clears it out a little bit. I don't want to necessarily do that all the time but it does help uh, i don't know what the hell's in it but <laughs> whatever it is it's it all treating to, uh, secondhand smoke emphysema yeah, that's what it is okay there's no question you need omega-3s but which form should you take fish oil or krill oil scientists have debated this for years luckily there's a new solution to satisfy everyone it's called krill omega 50 plus it combines ultra pure fish oil and joint soothing krill oil together in just one tiny pill it's so powerful it can promote the health of your heart and your arteries and if that wasn't enough it can also boost your joint 
comfort in just days. We're so sure Krill Omega 50 Plus will work for you. We'll even send you a free bottle to put to the test. The debate is over. It's not fish oil or krill oil. It's both. And now it's free. Just pay $4.95 for shipping and claim your free bottle. Call now. 1-800-355-1493. 1-800-355-1493. That's 1-800-355-1493. So Advil and Tylenol are in the news this week for, I guess you'd consider this a good reason, Ken. This is good news. And these narcotics, they've been too much in the news. And we definitely should all realize that prescribing narcotics should be the last resort. So the good news this week in the Journal of the American Dental Association, Doug, is that simple over-the-counter ibuprofen and acetaminophen, they provide better relief for dental pain than prescription opioids and are less likely to cause side effects. So we're talking about a combination of 400 milligrams of ibuprofen, such as Advil or Motrin, and 1,000 milligrams of acetaminophen, which is Tylenol. It's more effective for adults than opioid medications such as Vicodin or Oxycontin. Great news. I, is, that, is, that, yeah, is that common sense, Ken? In a manner no, of speaking, we it's all know not. It's, opioids are certainly not good for us. It, it's not way. common because the narcotics have been given forever for these yeah. dental procedures. Yeah, opioid. Well, what's laughing gas? What is Le- that? Nitric oxide. That puts you to sleep. That's an yeah. anesthetic that the dentists use. All right, so it's not the same. Why it's do they not, call it la- laughing gas anyway? You laugh um, some people go to sleep. <laughs> some people do start laughing. When, when they get it, because they're so relaxed. Really? Okay. Here's um, something that we ought to pay attention to. As a matter of fact, I got a note from my friend John Kelly, who runs Sarascan, now called Sarametrics, uh, which uh, analyzes the brains of all the NFL players. And they've been brought in, interestingly enough, to check out the new players in the NFL draft as the teams are evaluating thousands of variables, they're being asked to test the potential uh, players. So if you're in the draft, and, and you know what we have here, as is seen with the uh, data from the last, what, 30 years or so, uh, all the people, especially in the last 10 years, that are suffering from, what's that thing, CPS or whatever it's called, CM, whatever the cerebral problem uh, that comes about as a result of being hit in the head so many times when you're playing football, neck injuries, that kind of thing, which brings you later on in life to Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, those sorts of things. So anyway, uh, they are going to be gathering information on college prospects, give it to the uh, NFL team so they can analyze uh, the brain and whether or not this person is likely because they look the analytics. Remember when you looked at mine, I went through all of this, what, about eight or nine years ago, I think. Uh, they analyzed my brain and compared it to data they had on 34, 3,500 football players at the time to see what was going on. They can see what's happened in the past in your brain, what's going on now functionally in your brain, and they can predict the future of your brain. So if somebody, I'm, I'm guessing, without them saying it in as many words, they're trying to figure out if a person's brain is going to be likely or more likely susceptible to because not every football player that gets hit has a problem. You understand where I'm going here with this, or where they're going ex- with it? Exactly. I think you're talking about chronic traumatic encephalopathy. That's it. That's it. CTE. Yeah. 
Right, and that's yeah. the neurodegenerative disease that's traced back to the kind of head trauma experienced by football players or other athletes and even combat veterans. Yep. And, uh, you know, not everybody gets it, but too many do. And I think understanding who may be susceptible to it. But also, I think you're leading into another issue that can happen with trauma, but it happens for a lot of other reasons, are these brain hemorrhages from uh, from ruptured brain aneurysms. Yeah, well, yeah, that, the guy that died this week, right? You get hit in the head with a baseball. I don't know that that brought this on, uh, but there are a lot of people who are walking around ticking time bombs. We talk about this with regard to using the, the uh, when you have me down there, and you use the what do you call it machine to check the, uh, the, the, the we use the CAT scanner to look at the well for, for, to look at many things, but I think what we're talking about here is looking at the circulation to the brain. This got into the news. Uh, this major league baseball pitcher, White Sox reliever Danny Farquhar, was actually pitching. Went back into the dugout, and while mm-hmm. sitting in the dugout, uh, suffered a brain hemorrhage, and uh, due to a ruptured brain aneurysm. And yeah. these brain aneurysms, it's a bulge or ballooning in a blood vessel in the brain. Often looks like a berry hanging on a stem. The brain aneurysm, Doug, it can leak a rupture, cause bleeding into the brain, call this a hemorrhagic stroke. And this, the most concerning symptom, the one that you need to get right to the hospital, is if you have this sudden, extremely severe headache to get checked out, and an angiogram would be done either by MR or but by can CT. can you get in there look. that fast to save oh, somebody yeah. when the thing yes. blows up like that? You yes, can? things can be done. You get the neurosurgeon right there to, to, to get that thing taken care of. There are risk factors for this, things you can do to try to prevent this. Uh, watch the blood pressure, don't smoke, avoid uh, drug abuse, especially cocaine, and also heavy alcohol consumption uh, can predispose to this. And some type of aneurysms are due to these head injuries, what we call dissecting aneurysms, or from certain blood infections can also cause it. These things can be inherited. If you have a first-degree relative, a parent, a sibling, or a child with this, you need to be checked. And it's not hard to be checked, either a CAT scan or an MR of the arteries of the uh, brain. There's some inherited connective tissue disorders, polycystic kidney disease. Um, There are some other unusual abnormalities of the circulation to the brain and and to the rest of the body that, that are associated with this. But uh, it's something that you can deal with. Again, if you have a sudden, horrible, the worst headache of your life, get right to the ER. So the, uh, you use sonar, or what's the thing? Ultrasound. Ultrasound, that's it. Ultrasound would not show this. You have to give contrast. You have to fill up the circulation with something. For CT, all of them or just for the one in the brain? For the, well, for any artery, you, you really... To see arteries well, you have to give contrast. CT angiogram, which we do in the in the office, is wonderful for diagnosing this. And again, uh-huh. if you have a first-degree relative who's had this, you should be preventatively looked at for this. I don't have it, but you've noticed a little, using ultrasound, a little change in my aortic, the abdominal aorta. That's something, that that's an, an, any blood vessel in the body can become aneurysmal, become dilated, enlarged, bulge. And yes, in the abdomen, we can see them with ultrasound. And this is when the aneurysms occur in the circulation of the brain. Mm-hmm. The pipes, any piping in the body can become aneurysmal. All right. So, and it comes from using drugs. 
Uh, what else? Alcohol. What else are the things? Uncontrolled that you high with? blood pressure, cigarette mm-hmm. smoking, heavy alcohol consumption, and just bad. And you inherit gene gifts also. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. And to sort of cap this off, back to the NFL and the draft. Uh, what they're doing is connecting these uh, the, whoever the potential players are. They're having their brains examined. I think before they even, in some cases, the the teams have hired this company to look at these kids to see what sort of shape their brain is in. And it could be that if they were playing high school or college football and your brain is damaged, they will not hire you. They won't draft you because you're too much of a liability. I'm wondering how much that might happen. Yes. During, this is the first time this has ever been done, and I it has think, not been publicized. I think I just we're gonna, to know we're, it's an area that needs to be studied, and, and they want to better understand it, and they want to see what are the risks and what predisposes yeah. to it, and this is how it's all going to be better understood. These football teams are using data and statistical analysis for player selection, and I find that to be very I wonder how long it will take the other sports, like hockey, to do the same thing. Uh, these data analytics, it's really, it's me, I think I could see it leaving a mark on football for for sure. Absolutely. It's it's a business decision. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Ken, with sweating, what does it do? There's a a study out that suggests that sweating doesn't flush out toxins from your body. I've always thought that it did. That's a misconception, apparently. Uh, What is the real value of sweating is not to detoxify you, then what? Well, it's to cool us down. Uh, when the body gets too hot, the nervous system, the brain starts stimulating these glands to, to secrete. Mm-hmm. And the secretion of fluid and salt, sodium, and other substances actually helps to cool down the body. It's the natural air conditioner of the body. Right. So it's not the same stuff that you pee. Oh, it's not the same substance, not the same liquid. It, it's, it's not the same exact. You're not you're not sweating urine, but there's some overlap of contents, but definitely not the same thing. So when we urinate, we're getting the moisture of the water out of our liver and our kidneys, that sort of thing. That's one way to detoxify the body. So there's two ways the body has, if I'm reading this correctly or understanding it correctly, but uh, two ways to eliminate or to get the stuff out of your body that you don't want in your body. Exactly. And one of the interesting things that always intrigued me, you know, why there must be a reason, but the same the same part of the body that's used to cool us down, these uh, glands that are especially in your underarm and your groin, mm-hmm. why do they get stimulated when people get anxious? You get stressed and anxious, that? <laughs> and, and, and then they start going also. Yeah, so uh, why is there this overlap? I have never quite gotten that. Figured that out. All right. Well, anyway, it's good. You need to have your body functioning well, and sweating and peeing is a good way to do it, apparently. Uh, continuing with our focus on your health and well-being. So what do we have to learn, Ken, from the situation with uh, George Bush, the father, who has a blood infection? You know, his wife passing away. Uh, I think we talked about that last week. And I said, I think at the time, that I I believe they were so close, it won't be long for him uh, to kick the bucket and head down that road with her. Uh, This apparently is not the time for that, at least not at this moment, right? Correct. Well, former President George Bush had a blood infection. And 
elderly. He's 93. And at that age, Doug, people's most likely source of their blood infection is usually from the lungs or from the urinary tract. Mm -hmm. And he has a history of multiple lung infections. He has Parkinson's disease. He uses a wheelchair and electric scooter, so he's not moving around much. But Mm -hmm. the real issue is, when you have an infection, the question is, are you exposed to a bug? And then how good is your immune system? And at his age, his immune system's not very good. It's also diminished because of the upset. You know, he was the longest married president in history. Mm-hmm. 72 years, was it? I think yes. Something like that. Yeah. And right. the two of them. So uh, an amazing upset. The stress of this lowers his resistance, which is not very good at his age with his yeah. chronic illness and mm-hmm. his, in a wheelchair. Yeah. And then being exposed to all these bugs with people visiting him from everywhere. You know, people bring different bugs with them when they live in different places. I don't want people to be paranoid about it. But most of us have good immune systems. So when we meet with people from all around the world, right. we, we can handle it. So but how would that turn here. that exposure turn into a blood infection, though? How would he have... Uh, whoever was around him, if we follow your hypothesis for a minute, go to the funeral, shake everybody's hand. How does then what's on your hand get into your blood system? Well, because as I mentioned, at his age, the most common source of a blood infection is is either initially a lung infection or Mm -hmm. a urinary tract infection. And I think he, as he's had in the last few years, a number of of lung infections just had another one which they haven't announced they have not announced the source of his of his blood infection but this is my best guess is he has another pneumonia lung infection Mm -hmm. went to his blood and that's what's going on and his poor resistance is only much poorer because of the stress of his beloved wife's death well and in this circumstance the lungs uh, at the end of life more people die of pneumonia than pretty much anything else right isn't that, that a, is cr- that when is you're correct. old like this? Uh, that's correct. That's killer. why I think that's what happened here. And he's exposed to, from, to all these bugs from people all around the world that uh, his immune system can't handle. So you think he's on his way out? It sounds like he's responding to antibiotics. And uh, so it sounds yeah. like this, he's, they're not saying a lot, but they're, the most recent information is that he's rallying. So I don't well, think he's on his way out. if he wanted to check out, he could just say, don't give me any more of your antibiotics. I don't want to live any longer, so right, just leave think, me be. I don't think he's ready to check out. No, apparently not. You know, I was reading something about pollen. I'm in the I'm, I'm into I just I just sort of felt it this week for the first time and I have noticed a lot of other people talking about pollen and and one person wrote that she was never really bothered by pollen before, but now I'm having droopy eyes, a drippy nose, a lot of sneezing. And I wonder what it is in terms of allergies. Is it just that as you get older, you develop, uh, like I, and I don't know about you, and you and I have never talked about this as far as the two of us are concerned. Um, is it common to get more allergies? When you're younger, you may have them, you outgrow them, and then you pick them up again when you get older? 
All of the above are possible. She may have moved to a new area of the world where the pollen is different, or she may have some issues with her immune system, other illnesses that are affecting it, or she's just not as healthy as she should be. Mm -hmm. A lot of things, our lifestyle greatly affects our immune system, our diet, exercise, mental stress, sleep, all the things we talk about for the heart affects our immune system. Yeah, it's really very interesting how... Uh, we start really sneezing. I sneezed 14 times the other day, just like on nonstop. And it's because everything is blooming here. That There's sounds like pollen. an allergy to me. Oh, my God. Yes, right. All right. So don't write them off. You got a runny news. Uh, take. I don't know what you do about it. You can't move. Maybe there are some things that you can uh, take a look around for allergy medicine at the drugstore. Dr. Ken and Dr. Doug. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.